Good morning, Eastside family. Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 6. We want to allow our children, after they participate in worship with offering, ages 3 through 3rd grade, to go to to our junior worship. It's in that direction. We have some people that are visiting today, perhaps with children that age. Just kind of watch the parents moving in that direction. I'll ask the rest of you to take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 6. It's great to be back with you. We were in Baton Rouge one Sunday with the birth of our granddaughter. And then the next Sunday we were in Billings, Louisiana. My goodness. Uh, It was Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And then we were in Billings, Montana at a wedding. And on our way home we had to stop in the Teton Mountains and take a look at the bison and the bears. And we had a great time. Had a two-week break, so it's kind of weird. I'm in the middle of a lesson, and so we're going to pick up where we left off last time. That's kind of odd because it's been two weeks, but we're basically in a mini-series. We're in the book of Proverbs, and I've entitled it Lifestyles of the Rich and Poor, and we're looking at, at practical and needed wisdom given to us from God on, on money and, and, and on finance and money management and its correlation to our, our journey of faith and our relationship to God. I am convinced that the problems we see currently in our nation and in our communities and our families and in this church family as it relates to to money and finance and, and money management, I am convinced that this is deeply needed, that we deeply need God's wisdom on this topic and I'm convinced that it reveals deeper issues of of our spiritual health and our walk with God. And so I want us to continue this study. We have two more lessons after this. But you know, somebody recently sent me a video and they said, hey, Eddie, take a look at this. You might want to use it in one of your lessons. And so we will. Take a look at this commercial and we'll go from there. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house and a great community. Like my car, it's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. Need a smart way to consolidate your debt? At LennyTree.com, banks compete, and you choose the loan that's right for you. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house. (laughs) And so with humor, with humor at this this commercial's funny, but it's, it's a, it reveals a painful truth. This guy, Stanley Johnson, that represents too many of us, you look at him, you go, man, he's got it all together. He's got his house. He's got his nice, nice new car. He's got his family. He's got his swimming pool and his, his fancy grill. What an impression he's making on so many people. But he's enslaved to debt. As we read last time in our lesson three Sundays ago, this is what Proverbs is talking about when it says the borrower is a servant. The borrower is a, is a slave to the lender. And so the, the Stanley Johnson then asked the question as he's writing his $3,000 writing more, will somebody help me? 
And so the answer, the answer that's given to Stanley is that the answer to all these loans and all this debt that you're in, why you just need another loan. You just need a better loan. And it's interesting in the name of this company, it's akin to the, the term money tree, right? And so there's this company called LendingTree.com. And so we have this, this fantasy world, as you've heard of this, this money tree. And on it grows all the money that you might need. And so now there's a, there's a lending tree with all the loans necessary to solve all of your problems. But as we've been looking through the book of Proverbs... That's not the wisdom of God. We've looked, first of all, at four keys to wise financial management, and now we're looking at four keys to unwise financial management. And we started it here in the first eight verses of, of, of chapter six of Proverbs. And we saw the first two keys to unwise financial management, and they were looking at it from a negative side. Spend more than you have through borrowing, first of all. And then secondly, we looked at spend all that you have instead of saving. Which, that just sounds crazy, but it's happening all around us. And so we continue now in chapter 6. We pick up where we left off, and we pick up, actually in verse 9, we're going to look at the third key. And this is something I don't know if we've ever talked about in the church setting before, at least since I've been here, but I believe it's incredibly needed in our culture today. Let's pick up chapter, actually my verses today are verses 9 through 11, but I want to start reading in verse 6. Proverbs 6 through 11. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. What's the third key to unwise financial management? It's kind of crazy sounding, but this is what it is. Don't work. Be lazy. As you read through Proverbs, you see this, this reoccurring theme again and again in Proverbs, of comparing working hard as opposed to being lazy. As a matter of fact, in my journal through my studies in Proverbs, I have six pages of verses from Proverbs on this topic alone. There is no doubt God wants us to talk about this. There's no doubt this is relevant to our lives. And there's no doubt that this is directly tied into our spiritual walk with God. Working hard as opposed to laziness is a spiritual, dis spiritual discipline. It influences our walk with God. It reflects our walk with God. And so there's two things I want to say before we jump into a lot of these Proverbs that speak about we're going to, uh, the person who is lazy. First of all, as we talk about the lifestyles of the rich and poor, I want to clarify, not all who are poor are lazy. So if you think I'm saying that, I am not saying that. As Proverbs speaks of the poor, and I'm not sure if this is a, a great way of saying it, I would classify the poor in the book of Proverbs as the legitimate poor and the lazy poor. There's some who, who are financially struggling, having difficulties in life because they're lazy. But there are some, I would call them those who are in a legitimate situation where they're in a situation outside of their control. Circumstances outside of their control have impacted their lives. If they could work, would be working. Some of them are working hard. That's not the people 
that these passages in Proverbs are speaking to. Now, Proverbs does speak about these people, and we are called as God's people to care for them. And secondly, there are individuals who, due to physical reasons, can't work. That's not what Proverbs is addressing. So that's not what we're looking at. What we're looking at, and you notice it came up twice in this passage, is what Proverbs calls the sluggard. Or if you're reading in, in the King James Version, it's called the sloth. You read through the book of Proverbs and you can't help but notice the word sluggard comes up again and again and again. And it's a common word for a person who's lazy. But here's the problem. We don't use the word sluggard very much, but we do use the word slug which is a derivative of the word sluggard. Do you know what a slug is? Have you ever, I don't have the screen, so I can't tell this. Have you ever seen a slug? I, I, I looked up the dic- dictionary definition of a slug, and here's of a slug, and here's the definition. It's a slimy mass of aggregated amoeboid cells from which the sporophore of cellular slime mold develops. Or my more sophisticated way of defining a slug, it's a small blob. I think it's something like a snail. I'm not sure of this. It's like a snail without a shell. You ever seen what they do? It's like not much, right? They just kind of sit there and if they move, you have to look really carefully because you can barely see them, but you can see this goo that's just oozing from them. That's the word picture Proverbs gives us for a sluggard, for one who is lazy. Proverbs has a lot to say about the sluggard. But now, here's the problem is that I'm probably going to, a lot of you guys are sitting there going, you're preaching to the choir. This is really not a, not a problem of mine. But listen, the truth is, when you look at these Proverbs on the sluggard, you may be more of a sluggard than you realize. So let's take a look at a few of the verses on them. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 26. There's actually four verses in a row to speak of in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. And I remember when I first read that, I thought, that's kind of confusing. So there's a sluggard and he says, there's a lion in the streets, now let's move on. What in the world is that talking about? Okay, let's put it in context. A sluggard is a person that's, that's a lazy person that doesn't want to work. Well, why is he not working? Because he's saying, oh, there's a lion, there's a lion in the street. Is there really a lion in the street? Or is it that you just don't want to work and so you're making this up as an excuse? You see, one of the Hebrew words that this Proverbs was written in Hebrew, one of the Hebrew words translated for sluggard also carries with it the word, the, the, the idea of deceit or fraud. So when that's used in the context of laziness, it's one, it's not that he, he can't work, but he won't work and he has good reasons why he can't. Well, there's a lion in the street. And so he makes excuses, but the truth is there's no lion in the street. He just doesn't want to go to work and he doesn't have the guts to say that. And so he creates some reason why he can. That's a sluggard, a person who knows what they should be doing, but they always have good reasons why they can't be doing in that. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 14, as a door, the next verse, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. Can you see him? He's in bed and he's just rolling around. Perhaps, perhaps in our modern day translation, we'd say he just keeps pressing the snooze button. 
He knows he needs to get up. He knows what he should be doing, but oh, he rolls around and keeps pressing. As a matter of fact, did you remember that in Proverbs chapter 6, speaking to the sluggard, our first verse was, how long will you lie there? When will you get up from your sleep? A sluggard is one who always puts off what he needs to be doing. As a matter of fact, when we go into the New Testament in a minute, the Greek word that's used in the New Testament for a person that's lazy also carries with it a person or the idea of one who procrastinates. That's a sluggard making excuses. A sluggard putting things off. This is a very interesting passage. Look in verse 15. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. There's a word picture for you. I was at a nursing home a few days ago visiting some friends, and, and we're in the cafeteria, and everybody's eating, and everybody in this nursing home, they're, they're a lot older. Why, well, they're way up in their 70s probably. So they're... <laughs> I may be older. And over there, two or three tables over, is a dear lady sitting in front of her food and her face was in her plate on her food and her eyes were closed. Now that's circumstances beyond her control. So I would say, no, that's a slugger, isn't it? No, that's circumstances beyond her, her control. That's kind of the word picture you got going on here in the book of Proverbs is the sluggard is one who doesn't just have his hand at the plate. It's like buried in his dish, but he's too lazy to, I mean, that's lazy. When you're too lazy to eat, you're lazy. Now, he would be delighted if you would feed him. And, and there's another verse that's related to that. Now we've got to move all the way to Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24 and 27. I'm jumping around a lot. That's what Proverbs does if you try to do it thematically. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 24. And, uh, 24, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends enslaved. There it is, enslaved, enslaved labor. Verse 27, the lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possession. And notice in verse 27, the lazy man does not roast his game. And on first glance, you think, well, there's something good about this guy. He's not completely lazy. He went hunting. He has his game, but he's too lazy to cook it. That's a sluggard. A sluggard is someone who starts something, but they don't finish. There's a lot of people that are like that. A lot of diligence and a lot of effort. And they start school. They start a project. They start something at church. They start something with their family. But in time, they just kind of let it go to the wayside. A sluggard is a person who leaves things in their lives unfinished. They procrastinate. They make excuses. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 19 is another interesting proverb on a person who works compared to a person who is lazy. 28, 19, he who works his land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. Lazy people chase fantasies. Oh, they have grand ideas. 
They have grand plans. They have grand dreams of what they're going to do. And they talk to you about their dreams. They talk to you about their plans. They talk to you about what they're going to do, but what they have yet to do. It always stays in the world of their dreams. But because they're talking about it, because they're telling you of their plans, they're convincing them themselves and they're convincing you, man, this guy's industrious. But I heard someone once say, dreams don't work unless you do. Now, there are many, many, many more proverbs on this subject that I, could, that I could share with you, but I think the point is clear. One sure key to unwise financial stewardship is to think that that magic tree is out there somewhere with money and loans that will solve all your problems instead of simply working hard. As Proverbs chapter 6, as we read at the beginning of this lesson, if you want poverty to come on you, be like the slug, be like the sluggard. Don't work. Be lazy. Now, here's the mistake you may be making right now. That's what you do when you're preparing a sermon. You're always saying, well, I wonder what they're going to be thinking when I say this. I wonder what they're going to be thinking when I say that. And I'm wondering if you're not going, well, this is kind of negative. You almost may be taking this like Eddie's coming across in a really negative way. And the take home today is get out of bed, you lazy bums, and get to work. If that's what you're hearing me say, you're not hearing me correctly. The mistake you would make would be to take this negatively. We make the mistake of seeing work as a, as a bad thing. It's this part of life we have to endure until we, until we retire. It's the, it's the curse of sin. But I want you to know that these passages in Proverbs on not being lazy but working, they're not meant as harsh instructions, but rather they reveal a window into the heart of God and his image. And they're calling us to live out that image of God in our lives. Let me show you what I mean by that. Go to, we're jumping around again. Go to Genesis chapters one and two. I love this, I love this portion of the scripture. It's, this, it's the creation story. And it tells in the story, it's painting this beautiful picture, not only of creation, but of, but of Eden, the Garden of Eden. We call this paradise. And, and if you were to close your eyes and, and you were to, envision what paradise looks like. Sure, you might see Adam and Eve running around and frolicking and playing in the garden. Maybe you see them lying on a hammock and just enjoying themselves and resting and angels feeding them peeled grapes. And oh, what a beautiful paradise. Look in chapter 2 in verse 15 at what it says about what was going on in paradise. Chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what? To work it and to care for it. Notice, this is not chapter 3. And chapter 3 is the sin of man and the fall and the curse that followed. This is before that. This is in paradise. Work is not the curse of sin. Now, sure, when you go to, when you go to chapter 3, You'll see some curses of sin like work by the sweat of your brow that are associated with the curse of sin. But listen, work is not a curse of sin. Work is a, it's a good thing. And it's more than that. As you look deeper into the creation story, it's a, it's a God thing. Let me show you what I mean by that. Chapter 2 and verse 2, speaking of God in Genesis. Notice the reoccurring words referring to God. By the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his 
work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God created, God worked six days, rested one. That's God. That's who he is. Back up a little bit in chapter 1. In verse 26, it said, then God said, let's make man in our image, in our likeness. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. We were created into the image of God, meaning in this larger context, we were created into the image of the one who worked six days and rested one. Built into our character who we are, who we're called to be, are a people with a strong work ethic which reflects the image of God. Therefore, when God placed man in the garden to work, he wasn't, he wasn't cursing them. Their work was a way of living out and reflecting God's identity and image in their lives. You know those passages and I love them. There's one in, in Colossians chapter 3 and another one in Ephesians chapter 6. I'll read the one in Colossians 3. They talk about the believer's work ethic. Chapter 3 of Colossians verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it. There's our word, right? Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever you do, he's telling us, ultimately, you're serving God, and therefore, whatever you do in serving God, do it with all of your heart. Or Ephesians chapter 6 says, do it wholeheartedly. That's the opposite of laziness, being wholehearted. Being half-hearted is the sluggard. And this is not talking about how much you do. This is not talking about, the, it's talking more about the attitude and the effort that you bring to it. Not all of us, and I've given you in your life groups, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. Not all of us have, as they did and all have, the same amount of talents, the same amount of gifts and abilities. But all of us, all of us can be wholehearted in what we do. So I want you to think about it differently when you get up in the morning. You don't have to get up and go, oh boy. There's something awesome you're going to do in the morning. You're not just working for the Air Force. You're not just working for your school district. You're not just working for King Supers. You're not just working at Chick-fil-A. You're working for the Lord. You're serving him. And as you strive for excellence, doing your best, being wholehearted in all that you do, you're bringing glory to God. You're reflecting God to the world and you're reflecting his image to your community. That, I believe, is what Proverbs is calling us to in its wisdom giving on work versus laziness. Now, it's likely, and here's another anticipated, I wonder what they may be thinking now. Some of you are probably feeling a little bit self-righteous right now because you're pretty hard workers. Like I said, I'm, it's kind of like I'm speaking to the choir right here. And Eddie, this is just not my problem. I'm, I'm really a diligent person. I work hard every day. But the truth is, there's a couple more passages in the New Testament I want us to look at that show us we may be lazy in another way. That's a more serious way. Let's take a look at these before we close. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And I have to put these two verses into their larger context. So here in the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer is, 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 is deeply concerned about these recipients, these Christians to whom he's writing. 
The problem is they've, they've, become, they've become weak. They've become apathetic spiritually. But they're not growing anymore. And you know the passage, some of you do. He says, by this time, you ought to be teachers, but you're not. By this time, you ought to be eating meat, but instead you're still drinking milk. You need to grow up. You're so spiritually immature. And therefore, he goes on to say, as a result of that, they were in danger of letting go what they had in Christ. And as you read on, you discover that at the root of their problem is they had become spiritually lazy. Look in chapter 6 in verse 11. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. They started out fantastic with diligence and effort. But they were starting to calm down and slow down and, and, and become apathetic and weak. And he encourages them to show the same diligence to the end. To not only be starters, but to be finishers. And then in verse 12, he says, we do not want you to become lazy. You see, while it can be that, that someone can be so diligent and hardworking when it comes to your job, your, your hobbies... Your, your yard, your sporting activities, your school. You say, I'm a diligent, hardworking person. At the same time, one can be so very lazy it relates, as it relates to their faith and their relationship with God. And they end up, you find out yourself, you're so far away from God. And you find out all of a sudden, you cease to grow spiritually. And here's the crazy part about it. It's often those that seek to grow spiritually... Shift the blame elsewhere. I've had people come to me and say, I'm, I'm just not growing here. And the truth likely is they're lazy. And they're expecting someone else to do for them what God has called them to do. Is that you? Could that be it? Could that be the reason why you have plateaued spiritually in your life? That was the case for the Christians to whom the Hebrew author is writing. And then a more sobering verse. Take this passage. Matthew, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. And I have to give you the context here as well. This is a very sobering passage. Some might call it the end times and, and end times description or explanation. And Jesus is teaching very strong passages, very sobering passages on, on judgment and what it's going to be like. And so in order to paint a picture of judgment, he gives us these three parables. And the middle is this parable of the talents. And so you know, many of you know this parable of the talents. There are these individuals and they're, they're given talents of money by their master and they're given a responsibility to manage or to work with their talents and to do the best they can for their master's purposes. The master leaves and he comes back and he rewards two of them for their diligence and their, for their hard work. But this third individual, this is the guy with the one talent, if you know the story, this third individual... He didn't do anything with what had been given him. 
And so now he's standing before his master and he's explained to him, let me explain to you what happened. Verse 30, that's the wrong chapter. Verse 24, the man who had received the one talent came. He said, master, he said, I knew you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. What does that sound like? There's a lion in the streets. I would have done something, but I'm scared. I was afraid. And the master says, well, bless your heart. Come here, give us a hug. It's okay. No, look at, look at the language. His master replied, you wicked what? Lazy servant. He saw right through all of, there's a line in the streets. Well, I would have done this, but there was this. Then there was this, there was this. At the root cause of this individual's life is that he was lazy. You need to understand, Jesus is talking here about our relationship with God. And that's important because there's some of us right now making excuses, excuses for the condition of our faith and where we are in Christ, when in reality, in truth, we have become spiritually lazy. You may work hard. You may be diligent in many ways, and many of us are. But listen, let me ask you, is it for God and his purposes? Or is it for you and your purposes? Are you using the life God has given you in this world for yourself or for his eternal kingdom parables? Listen, this parable indeed is showing us that this is... Not some little side, oh, that's cute. We talked about laziness today. We're talking about that guy sitting on the couch eating chips and binging on Netflix. There's something huge here. This is a judgment scene. And look how this story closes. Verse 28, he says, of this lazy man, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Indeed, from Proverbs, while, while laziness can lead to, to being financially impoverished, as we dig deeper into this theme, it can lead to being spiritually impoverished as well. And that's where some of us are. Is that you? So, so let, me, let me close by asking you some very pointed, direct questions. From God's word today, let me ask you, are you lazy? In some way. Do you have those, those symptoms of a sluggard? Could, could it, that be it? Could that be at the root of your problems? Financial problems. Your marital problems. Your parental problems. Your career problems. Could that be it? Are you? Making excuses. Oh, there's a lion. There's this, there's that, there's this. When you know, you know what God is calling you in your life to do. Are you making excuses for not doing what you know you should be doing? You, you might be a sluggard. Are you one who is procrastinating? Do you know what needs to be done, what God would have you to do, and you have every intention of doing it, but you just roll over and you push that snooze button one more day. 
Are you one who's putting off doing what you know God is calling you to do? You might be a sluggard. Are, are, are there things in your life unfinished? Oh, you started some awesome stuff. Church, school, or at work, or in your marriage, or with your children, your family, whatever it might be. Are you a starter, not a finisher? You might be a sluggard. Do you have unrealized dreams? Are you, as Proverbs is talking, chasing fantasies? Do you have some great plans and some great dreams, perhaps plans and dreams given to you by God, and they still remain in the world of dreams? You might be a sluggard. Are you, are you wholehearted in all that you do? Is that how you approach your work? In whatever you do, are you approaching it that I am serving God, I am giving my best, not the least that I can do, but the best that I can give in this? Or as it relates to your relationship with God, would you say you're half-hearted or wholehearted? Now, if, if the answer to these questions is no, Eddie, that is not me. And the truth is you find yourself in circumstances, as we talked about earlier, beyond your control that's led to a, a painful situation that you're in right now. Listen, we're here to help you. We're here to pray with you and reach out to one another. But if the answer to those questions is you're feeling a bit convicted about this and you're saying, yeah, yeah, I got, I got some of that. And you realize that in some ways you've become lazy and that's led to where you are today. Then I think the best way I can close this lesson is sharing with you the verse that I read from the beginning that was speaking directly to the sluggard. He says, how long? Will you lie there? And you know what I thought about when I read that? I thought about those, those uh, especially at the beginning of Psalms. God, how long, how long? Those complaint Psalms were, when are you going to do something, God? How long do I have to wait? And it's almost God is going, how long to you? That's what the Proverbs here is saying. How long will you lie there? When will you get up from your sleep? It's time to get up and embrace God's call in your life. What does that mean for you? Let's ask God. Stand with me. Holy Father, I'm asking you to do what I can't do, to speak to each one of us as individuals and help us to understand and see how this your wisdom given to us from these verses speaks into each of our lives. Show us how we're making excuses, Father. How we're procrastinating. How we're dreaming. How we're putting off doing what we, you know and we know that you've called us to do. Oh God, help us to reflect your image, I pray. In this world, through our lives. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. 
And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.